What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. Before we jump into the podcast today, I want to remind you to check out my band, Run With It, at Run With It Band, anywhere you follow people at. Today on the Live and Create podcast, we have Trevor Trula. Trevor is a brass musician, vocalist, composer, and teacher. He believes that creativity is a source of change. Through art, music, literature, and action, we can transmute the world we've been handed into the one we hope for. The authenticity of self, authenticity with people, and authenticity in love are just a few of the concepts we dive into in this episode. Trevor also shares a story of starting in music at eight years old, learning the bagpipes, what, a, what an interesting place to start, and how that propelled him on a journey to becoming a professional musician looking to impact the world. It's a great episode. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. Dude, there's so many things we could talk about as I learn yeah. more and more about what you're up to. Um, I know we often just see each other uh, in passing, or I notice you're up on some stage at a at a random concert with a, yet another band because you play <laughs> with so many artists. <laughs> you are you are hustling, um, and so I see you playing the trombone. Uh, but then you also mm -hmm. came out with your own uh, record writing and singing as well, and that, mm -hmm. that's you singing, right? On, well, on that? yeah. So uh, the, for the Sulu Moon stuff, that was me singing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got a sweet voice, dude. I love it. It's it's Thanks, really, man. really cool. And yeah, so you, a man of many talents and it sounds like a passion uh, to impact the world. But I'm curious for you in this whole music endeavor, it's like, it seems to be like, like oozing out of you and, and everything you're doing. Hmm. Uh, where did it start for you? Where, where did that passion start? Was it later in oh, life? Sure. Like, like, uh, college or was that something from a young child? You just saw it coming out you then. I would say it probably started with my, with my parents and they're listening to music. They have great taste in music and there was always music around the house. And my dad's a painter. Actually, that's one of my dad's paintings right there. Nice. Um, and, uh, he would always paint to jazz. He loved like the post-bop guys like Coltrane and Miles Davis. And his favorite was Thelonious Monk. And okay. he would, he would play them all the time. And, uh, you know, his job was making art and framing and all that kind of stuff. So he could stay at home in the studio and work on that. And my mom is a professor. So she'd go to work and I would spend when I was like, you know, in my form, you know, three or whatever, I would just spend all the all day in my dad's art studio, listening to wow. music with him and watching him <laughs> paint and stuff. And I really think that that's where the music, the music passion started for me was just hanging with him, you know, and, um, I started playing music when I was seven, when I had just turned eight. And my first instrument was, was bagpipes. And then, you yeah, know, ever since a, that, that's a thing that yeah. I've never heard anyone ever say. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I don't know, man. What was I just, it with bagpipes? I, it just, uh, it drew you to it or like, how did, yeah, how did that happen? Totally, I'm curious. It totally drew me to it. And I, I just, um, I don't know. It was something that was different too. And I, and I had heard pipes before in, uh, you know, a parade and everything. It's just such a powerful thing. And I don't know, I don't know. It captivated me. It totally, totally captivated me. And that was really how I jumped into um, the whole musical journey was, was with bagpipes as my first outlet. That is amazing. That really is a first uh, <laughs> to hear. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you still play the bagpipes? No, uh, not as much. I, uh, 
I used, geez, it's crazy to think about because I truly did. I used to play all the time and I was practicing all the time, but as you know, I've had other mediums kind of come my way. I've really stepped away from, from pipes a lot. I haven't played, but uh, once this year, I think. Okay. Gotcha. But, but it's still in there. I, I'm actually selfishly asking too, cause I book a lot of different artists and uh, the clients oh, sure. that come to us sometimes need just like random things. Like they want an original song with someone to meet them and surprise them at like with a ukulele at a fountain in, in the plaza or something like that. And I could see, right. I could see down the road, someone like, I need bagpipes for this thing. So now I know who to call. Cause I, have now no you know who to call man at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who actually, yeah. That's amazing, man. So, uh, bagpipes. Now, how did your parents feel about that? Cause that is one loud instrument. Yeah. That's, really that's, that's so funny. <laughs> well, well, it was my, so it was my mom's idea to start playing an instrument. She was reading some journal or something about like kids in, in music and their brain development and all that kind of right. stuff. She's like, Oh, Trevor should definitely start playing an instrument. Um, and she came to me and she's like, I'm going to let you pick what instrument you want to pick. And I gave her two options. I said, I either want to play the bagpipes or the didgeridoo. Dude. And she was like, and she was like, well, what? She was like, what the heck, dude? I was thinking like piano or something like that. And um, oddly enough, there was a great bagpipe teacher in Wichita, and so we went with that one. And they were really cool about it. They supported me. They supported me all the way. And it was it was super odd, you know. And I think they kind of thought it was funny, but right. Um, they also saw how um, how deeply I went into it. It w- it was a pretty serious thing for me. Well, and I love the ballsiness of like you said, you were eight. When you started that, I was eight. Yep. Eight. So, like the ballsiness of like I, of our kids are are I have a few that are are pretty young, and it's like if when they come out and want to do something completely different than like the norm, I mm-hmm. I'm actually impressed. I'm like that's ball. yeah. You're you're stepping out and saying this is my passion. People like right. some people might think it's weird, or they might think like at least unconventional or whatever it is. And sure. I think that I wonder like, and I know I'm kiboshing your story as you're you're telling your lineage here but like do you notice that that piece of you like that part of your personality like it seems like there you are already showing like you're willing to take a step out of the norm and you're willing to take yeah you're willing to be ex- who you are do you notice uh that like theme throughout your life as you've moved forward in your career absolutely um I mean, even what I do now, like in fronting bands and that kind of stuff with a trombone, that in itself is kind of off the beaten path as well. So I kind of don't, I kind of don't, um, I kind of don't care (laughs) in a lot of ways. I'm just like, this is just, this is just the the hand I was dealt and I'm going to rock it as far as I can. And it's, and it's different for sure, but it's just, I don't know. I guess I've always felt that way. And, and maybe, uh, you know, starting with bagpipes did kind of start that trend, but, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting to me. I, to, to see that as I look at like my youngest is eight uh, and then 10, uh, 10, 13 and 17 now. Uh, but as I even watch even the youngest ones, uh, come up and wrestle with what they want to do, it's like you can see their personalities forming and I almost I try to guess mm. now like where are they going to end up and I honestly I think it's such a powerful tool for an artist to really not care yeah. like if you can get in that yeah. place where you can create that you want to give but you don't really care what other people's opinions are it's yeah. it sounds like it's it, people who don't understand the artist world it may sound arrogant but I really think it's a powerful place to be where you can actually yeah. probably give more than someone who does care 
Well, and it was, it's funny that we're talking about this now, because I was just having this conversation with a friend earlier this morning. It really is, you know, when you put out something, it really is for yourself more than anything else. And in a lot of ways, I feel like when you release something or when you, when you, when you release music, you're not just releasing it into the world, but you're also like releasing it from yourself. So that way you have the space to evolve onto the next thing. And if that's what your music and your releases serve the purpose of, then, then no, it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks because it's like, it's just out there and it exists as that thing. But in reality, I did this. So that way I could evolve to my next, next phase, I suppose. Right. That's awesome, man. So uh, bagpipes, that's where it started. Then obviously mm -hmm. your musical journey continued to grow. Like where did it go from there? Well, bagpipe, I mean, I was cruising on bagpipes for a long time. That was the main thing. And then, you know, with high school, I started band and um, I ended up picking trombone just like, it, just like any other kid going to band and everything, no crazy story there. And then I just stuck with it. And it was, um, I think I remember there was a really formative moment in middle school when we stopped working on just like sectionals. So just the trombone section and just the trumpet section over here. And the whole group got together, this middle school band and we all played together and it was the first time I ever like sat inside of a chord. You know, I was right. playing my horn and it was like a, like a chord was happening. And that was a really, that was a really important moment for me because from that, that it's like the feeling, you know, that was um, the feeling that I guess you're always chasing then, you know, you're always chasing that dragon. Right. <laughs> but uh, Absolutely. whether with yeah, a song it's cool. Or in writing or with a group, like when it, when it finally comes together, it's a beautiful. Oh yeah. Such a beautiful. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but so for you, you know, yeah. high school, that's where it was. Obviously you went on to study in college and it, for you going, going into it, did you think I'm still going to make this a career? Was that a focus for you or is just part of your passion continuing to lead you down the journey? There, there was a certain point when I realized it, it was in college. Uh, I was probably a sophomore in college. I realized that my path was that of a performer. I wasn't sure. I went to music school and I knew that I wanted to play music, but I wasn't sure in what capacity. And I was of the mindset that it's not, you know, it's a pipe dream to be a full-time performer and everything, you know, as, and I was just this young kid and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to get my doctorate right away. And then I'm going to become a jazz professor or whatever, which no, no fault to anybody who wants to do that. Right. But I think I was about a sophomore when I realized I was like, no, that's not my path. My path is being a performer, being a player. This is, this is just what it is. And then I think that was really a, the moment that I, that I kind of started, I view that as kind of like the starting point of like my okay. music career, like all this stuff before that is just like, my musical foundation. That's just where it came from. It's the preamble like, before the actual thing you. <laughs> yeah. And it, it started there. And it's so funny because like a week after I accepted that for myself, a week after I said, you know what, I'm going to be a performer. Um, I actually got my first gig that was like working a lot. So it went, I went from ha having like maybe one, two gigs a month to having like three a week. Hell yeah. You know, just like, nice just like working, working, working. <laughs> yeah. And it was right after I accepted, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to be a performer. And then boom, it just dropped in my lap and that's, that's kind of, you know, and ever since then I've just been growing and growing. And then when I graduated from school, I had even more time to work on it. And now, you know, I, that, that really leads us up to now I graduated in 2018. And for the last few years, I've just been, been working on it. Hustling and building. Now that moment of, um, I guess settling like who you are, you know, I think mm -hmm. is a powerful moment. I know people, 
who are much older than you still wrestling with that. Um, mm-hmm. And so one, I just think it's, it's really cool to see someone wrestle with that early on. I know for me, there's been places within my life and in my own music career where I, I settled on it and then I ran away from it, settled on it and then ran away from it. Sure. Those kind of things. Um, what was that process like for you to, to discover? Was there, was there people involved who were calling it out of you? Like, Hey, I think you really should pursue this. Or was it a lot of internal wrestling and struggle or a little of both? Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of both. I do have people, there was a professor I remember saying that you're a professional when you're a professional. There's no degree that's, you're, there's no piece of paper you're ever going to get that's going to make you a professional. And you're here doing that and I'm here giving that to you, but I'm here to tell you that that's not where it's at. You know, when you start Great acting advice. like a profession, when you start acting like a professional is when you're professional. And that was a big, that was a really, that was a really I will always remember that. That was a really formative thing that was said. And um, I took that to heart quite a bit. And uh, also, I think, and just seeing, again, kind of going all the way back to the beginning, seeing how my dad is and the way he paints and the way that it's not a, it's, it's not a, it's, it's like a way of life. And whether, if everything else isn't there, this is still there. So it's like, those things kind of aligning together. It was just, it just seemed like the path, you know, it's just like music is the one thing that is going to, that has always been and will always be my constant. It's been the one thing in my life that in every chapter has been a flagship has been the ship that's carried me through the chapter, you know? So, um, and I love that perspective from your, your professor. I was introduced first with that concept that when you choose to start acting like a professional is when you were professional uh, with Steven Pressfield, are you uh, mm. familiar with him? Uh, he wrote the uh, not uh, as much. War of Art, and it's a, oh okay, and it's a powerful book. I I recommend it to almost every creative out there, and that's cool. That was such a mindset change for me to be challenged with that, because it's almost like I was always looking for that external gratification of like, oh, once I play this thing or make this much money or do you know get the approval from whoever, uh, but instead of like, no, you fucking decide it, and then you start moving that direction. And yeah, mm-hmm. such a powerful lesson in the, the mm-hmm. whether entrepreneurial or creatively, which is kind of, uh, we live in both those worlds <laughs> mm-hmm. within. Them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. I, I like that. I like that term, like the war of art. Yes. Because it, it really is, it really is an all encompassing thing. It really is like a, you know, I feel like, I feel like, you know, music is a way of life is almost a cliche, but it really does have a lot, a lot of weight behind it. Um, you know, the war of art, I think encompasses that too. That's pretty cool. I have to yeah. check out that book. Yeah, I, I haven't read it. that. And it's a, it's a very quick read, um, but really drives home the process of writing. And he, of course he is an author himself. Uh, but I think it, it adapts to almost any creative and or entrepreneurial endeavor. And it's sure. great challenges. I, I go back to it sometimes when I'm feeling like shit and I need someone to kick me in the ass. It's a really good, like yeah. kick you in the ass kind of, <laughs> kind of book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that's a, it really is. I, I almost wonder, it sounds weird, but like if someone made a movie about your life, like I could almost see like a picture of you as a kid, like in that studio mm-hmm. with your dad and the moments, mm-hmm. like how many beautiful lessons <laughs> in that scene yeah. to craft those things. And like you said, seeing it be a part of you, which I, I think even mm-hmm. in your bio, you said something like uh, that you, you identify mostly as a musician. And it's like, you see that in your, 
It did I, mm-hmm. am I quoting you correctly in that? I, well, I, I, I think, I don't even remember exactly how I put it. Um, let me see. Let me see here. And maybe I just read it on your, your uh, website or something. Yeah. I think this is from the website too. Um, it says, I believe that creativity is a source of change and that through art, music, literature, and action, we can transmute the world we've been handed into the one we hope for. So I suppose more of rather than just a musician identifying as like a creative, creative or like, yeah, yeah. Kind and of I like think that, kind of, that concept way of life, the lesson it seems like you've learned from your father and carried that on. I, I think it really does. It really does define this lifestyle. And that's that was what was hard when my wife and I first, when we first got married, it was such a hard transition for her because I either owned businesses or I was doing some kind of musical endeavor, which was also owning a business. But then the component right. of <laughs> whether I was roofing yeah. a house or playing a guitar, there was, it, it was a way of life. Like the hours are strange a lot and inconsistent. And, oh, yeah. uh, and it's and like you said, like it all could go away, but I'm still going to have this need and desire to want to sit and write, sit and sing. And because yeah. if not, it's going to like fucking explode out of me. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So you. you feel yeah. No, same, same boat, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's almost like what I was saying earlier to release music is to release it from yourself, because yes. if you don't, then, yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, where is this going to go? It just <laughs> and then you have to release that to create space for the new thing to come in because it's coming either way. You know, it's just like absolutely you have to pur- like almost like purge your body of it. <laughs> right. And I had a uh, a great mentor along the way. And whenever he noticed I, I, I deal with depression, anxiety, those kind of things. But whenever mm-hmm. he noticed things would get uh, darker than it normally is, <laughs> uh, which is mm-hmm. weird to say, but there, there's seasons of my life like that. Uh, he would often ask me, are you writing? And, mm. and that wasn't even my job that he was mentoring me in at the time. But yeah. he was like, are you writing? And I'd often well, be like, no, I'm not. And he's like, maybe you should go write. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the darkest in the darkest time seems to be when some of the most inspirational stuff comes, you know, I, you know, in in the, you know, with the breakup and everything, the situation I've been in, um, I feel like I've been writing in a way that like, there's like, it almost like unlocks like a new, a new compartment of your brain. And it just, you know, stuff just starts flowing out of a corner of your mind that you've never necessarily even tapped into. And, you know, I suppose with, you know, anything that happens in life, that's really what's happening. It's, you know, through trials and tribulations, you are also unlocking parts of your mind and like unlocking new parts of you that, that, um, that work with this experience, you know, new experiences mean new parts of you. So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of interesting that that could be reflected in your writing as well. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And it's so true. I, I think you're going to, when you get a chance to check out that book, the war of art, yeah, he, he talks, he has a whole section, what he dedicates to what he calls the muse. And for him, mm-hmm. he thinks of it almost as like this metaphysical, like other world thing. I don't particularly ascribe to that myself, but it was such a helpful chapter to me to understand like, where or to ask the question, where do ideas come from? And like, even if it is sure. like you're describing, maybe there's this thing, maybe we're too afraid to go there in our brain or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And finally, yeah, a situation in our life unlocks it. And it's mm. like, oh, shit, you know, I've never seen this part yeah. of myself. And then what does that mean? And then how do we translate that? How is it valuable to the people around me? Like starts wrestling, at least as a creative for me, wrestling with all yeah. these topics and ideas. Yeah, that's that's super. That's yeah, I suppose that is kind of how, kind of how I, I look at it, at least, at least right now. And it's, um, and it's interesting because it's all just, it all just um, 
kind of goes into one place. It's like all this information, all this input kind of gets funneled down and boiled down into the music. And that is what like the music is. It's like, it is like a, a cocktail, the essence of experiences <laughs> and like life input that you've gotten, you know? Absolutely. And uh, I suppose, again, you know, kind of going back to that release thing, that's why it's so therapeutic to take that thing and then release it, let it, let it go into the world. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah that, there that you go. Word, uh, transmute. Uh, I read it in mm-hmm. your bio and uh, there's several books that I read from read from different authors, like early 1900s. And it seems like at that time they were using the word transmute a lot as well. So finally mm-hmm. I was like, I've never really fully looked, I, I know what it kind of means, but I never fully know what it means. And then looking it up, it was almost like equated to the idea of like how, when you you're like in a campfire and it, you light it on fire, it starts as a log or as wood, but then as the wood, as the fire takes over, it literally becomes something different. It becomes like right. coal and, and then ash. And it's like mm-hmm. this complete changing of something. And mm-hmm. it seems like you have this passion to bring that kind of change to the world around mm-hmm. you. Um, what is it, I guess, what is it that you're dreaming of when, when you say, I want to see, I want to bring this change through, through creativity? In a lot of ways, I think I want to be the voice that I always wanted, that but never had in in, in a lot of ways. So I guess representation. There's there's a big part of that. Um, there's I don't know. I I almost I almost subscribe to the thought that um, that's not really even for me to say. I do the work and put out the stuff and it has to be received as it's received and it'll change the world the way it does. You know, um, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can say how it changes the world, you know, it just, it just like, uh, again, a lot of this kind of stuff is like tied to like my dad's philosophy on it and everything. It's just, it's just, you know, you create the thing, you birth this thing. And again, it's an amalgamate of your experience of your, your thing. And then you just put it out there and then it get, that can be received by someone in a way that is completely different. Like I've had moments where I've received other people's art and it's completely changed my world. It's completely changed my life or it's like saved me or it's, you know, whatever, whatever the situation might be. And that, that changed the world in that moment that changed the world. It changed my entire world. And that's what I, that's what I want to do is when I say change the world is like, it could be as big as changing the physical world, or it could be just touching somebody for a moment in the right moment. And then their world, their world changes. And yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess I haven't, I guess I haven't fully, uh, fully walked down this path of thought, but um, I definitely, maybe it messes it up when you have like an ultra clear idea of it, or maybe you miss things if, if there's not at least some openness to it. Um, I ask that question. I'm such a like write out goal oriented kind of type A driven <laughs> mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I have to step back from that and like zoom out and mm-hmm. and say like, where else can this connect? What else can this do? Um, as opposed yeah. to just the, you know, the three goals that I wrote down that, that need to be accomplished. And so I, I think that's a, it's a cool perspective. And it, and honestly, it makes me think about uh, a conversation. Are you familiar with Hank Weedle? at all um i'm not sure he works with mammoth uh he's more on the business end uh okay and he's one of the i think his podcast was probably about a month month a month and a half ago uh his podcast dropped and we talked okay, about cool. 
we talked about authenticity, authenticity uh, mm-hmm. and the artists that really stir us and the artists that are mm. coming up right now. Like for us, it was Matt Mason, Jason Isbell and Joyner Lucas, which is just okay. a, a, like a hodgepodge of way different artists. But there's yeah. something real about their presentation, about their words and and how that mm-hmm. impacts people. And I, I'm getting there. Sorry, I'm, I'm taking a long way to connect. <laughs> but oh, you're good. You're when, good. When you were talking about this idea of like, I'm going to share the, the whole of everything I've been through and put it out there. It Matt Mason is someone I go back to all the time. And you can tell he struggles with drugs. He struggles with addiction and all these things. That's something I've never struggled with. But there's something about his music and him telling his story that brings me joy, that brings me mm-hmm. hope, that I continually find myself coming back to. Uh, and so yeah. maybe that's that's what you're talking about, where he's just telling yeah. his story in the real way he knows how, and it's connecting with the right people. Right. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's, you know, I suppose the, the abstract side of it, right? Like the, the, yeah, like the abstract side of it in a more physical thing. Like I had brought up a minute ago, like representation. Um, I'm one of, if not the only like Filipino American uh, horn players in like Kansas city, potentially even greater. I'm not even sure where the next one is, but (laughs) I would, I would love to change the world in a way to be able to play for younger Filipino Americans and just show them that this is, this is a path as, this is a path as well, you know, have themselves be seen in, in, you know, what I do. And that's a pretty big goal for me. That's a pretty big goal for me as well, as far as answering the the question of like changing the world, being the, being the representation that I wish I had when I was a kid. That's cool. In a way. Yeah. I love it. Um, and it really, so, it almost sounds like that boils down to also simply just being you and being who you are and letting your yeah. experiences overflow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let it, yeah. And letting it, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a, I'm part of a mastermind group, um, with several artists who are building some things and we try to bounce ideas off of each other. And mm-hmm. we were talking about this concept of like, of when you like trying too hard, can almost mm. destroy your art or destroy your business in a way. Cause it's like yeah. a hustle, hustle. I'm all about hustle. I love drive. I love going fast. But uh, someone was sharing, like, they're like, they almost couldn't, they were like in an interview and they couldn't even pick a train of thought because they want to make sure they got every single little thing in. <laughs> He's like, but then right. I accomplished nothing. And we, right. and it, it's almost like, I, I don't know, almost from what I hear you saying is like, just relax, dive into more of who you are. And, and let that overflow from you. And then that's where true yeah. impact comes And Honestly, it's more freeing. And yeah. And it is. Better. And, and, <laughs> and you're, and as an individual, you're the only person that can do that for you. You're the only person that can bring your thing to the table in the entire world and all of history and time and forever and ever. Amen. You can, <laughs> you're the only, you're the only thing that can like bring that your perspective to the table. And so it's like, why would you want to do anything else? Why would you want right. to bring any other perspective to the table? Because it's like, you've been handed this, this life to, to talk about if you, if you, if you want to, you know? Um, Absolutely. It's like all in the yeah. end, all you have is, is all you are. And, and that's all yeah. you do. And yeah. Yeah. What a freeing thing. And especially in this world 
like like you said, you graduated 2018, right? Is that mm-hmm. what you said? Yep. And so 2018. Now step, stepping out and then stepping out in one hell of a time to come out of college and mm-hmm. like the whole world transforms and shuts down and comes alive again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like to to be able to focus uh, within that is, is such a a cool thing. So like as you started, you stepped out into college and you're starting like the business end of it, right? And mm-hmm. you're figuring out like the, for you, this is a full-time thing, right? And you're mm-hmm. teaching, if I remember right, you're doing uh, clinics as well. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've done some clinics. I've done, um, you know, some private lessons and then performing um, some, you know, a little bit of writing charts, that kind of stuff. Um, and really that it's like any other kind of, any other kind of gig or like, you know, at the dentist office, they have to fill their day with people booking appointments to get their teeth worked on. And it's kind of the same thing for a musician. You just have to make sure you fill your days with appointments. (laughs) Sometimes my, my, you know, get up, I go, I got to go to work at nine today means going and meeting with somebody for coffee and then doing, you know, talking through this thing for this project that we have down the road or something that, I mean, but just like making sure you have like a steady stream of, of that happening. And then, um, you know, trying to gig as much as possible, fill up dates. If I see a week down the road where I'm like, oh, dang, that, that week looks pretty bleak. We better get some stuff in there, you know, and just kind of staying on top of, um, of the schedule, you know, it can be real easy to get complacent and just let it kind of fizzle out. Um, it can also be real easy to land a real comfy gig, a gig that's working a lot and, <laughs> and then get real, <laughs> and then not push complacent. You're like, I know I got gigs. It's right. like, yeah, but you, but you got to, you know, you have to transcend that as well. Like one of the bands I play in is, uh, is the grand Marquis and they work a lot yeah. and that's a fun band. Um, and we travel a lot and I have, I have a great time playing with them, but, um, with a band that's working that, that much and that hard, it can be real easy for me to just take the days where I'm not working and be like, ah, it's just a day off. Instead, it needs to be, no, this is, you know, this is the job. There's so much more that can be done and can and should be done. Um, in like, in this time, you know, it's, it's a full-time, yeah, it's a full-time thing. Well, and that's, I notice a lot of artists, uh, especially like just starting out, especially out of college, they don't have that perspective. A lot of folks I talk to. And so where did that come from? Is that again, from your dad or was like, is it something hmm. a school they actually prepared you for or yeah, just that natural overflow happening again? <laughs> I think it was maybe my dad and then and then Bobby Watson, who was one of my, who was one of my mentors and professors in school, he would always say, "This is a social art form. So you have to, you have to know how to hang, and you have to know how to play, and then you're going to be good." And so I kind of took that to heart and like, okay, so now I'm graduated. What what do I do? How what's step one to keeping it going? It's like, well, you have to be able to hang too. It's like, so just call somebody for coffee. And, and then get that and then get that going. And then who knows, maybe that'll lead to a music video. Okay. okay. So that's one morning of coffee. And then one day down the road booked up in the calendar. It's like, okay, check now only <laughs> three, 365 more for the year, you know, or, or whatever. And you just keep, you just keep plugging away at it a little bit at a time. And um, yeah, I suppose, I suppose I don't really know where, you know, I got the, the strategy, you know, it just kind of, seems to unfold. Well, also we're very lucky to live in the city that we live in because there are people here that are 
doing it already. So you can almost just kind of like fall in step. Like watching them like, how come they got the gigs that I want? Oh, cause they're working their ass off on it. There you go. <laughs> well, and we also live in a city where you can, if you're like, oh my God, how is this person doing it? Literally call them and ask them to go get coffee and be like, how are you doing this? I promise you there's going to be almost nobody that, 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 that turns you down. True. You know? absolutely I mean, true. why would anybody, why would anybody want to not help another another artist you know especially somebody who's just in their lane doing their thing it's like how do i get how do i get this stuff it's like i don't know it's definitely um one of those things where the resources are out there Mm -hmm. if you want to go grab them absolutely and i remember when i first got started here i just started reaching out to people because i've always i've always had the perspective that that people and relationships are one of the most valuable things you can invest in and Mm -hmm. and that's why i love hearing what you're talking about too and there was one relationship over a decade ago. Um, I just, I reached out to a producer I'd known for like a whole decade before that. I'm kind of an old fuck, sure. but <laughs> it's like, but I said, Hey, I'm getting ready to start a new band. Uh, any people I need to meet that, you know, out here, I moved to Kansas city. And he said, um, he's like, yeah, check out this dude, uh, Chad Berkwin. He sounds like he has similar goals. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Chad is a guy where we sat down, I bought him lunch and we just talked. He made, I think it was like within a week we sat down and talked. He was totally open. And that started yeah. a friendship that has grown us, I think personally in our own lives. Mm-hmm. And that has lasted over a decade. I've been on the phone with him today. Once I've been texting all day. Like we literally text every day because now we're booking bands together. He invited me into like his company that he had built uh, yeah. to help build up other artists. And then he's booked my band and then I'm able to help reach out and bring in other opportunities. And it's like just yeah. that. And that's just one meeting. That was a lunch right. at Panera in Overland Park that I, that I, you know, didn't have a lot of money, but I paid for because I wanted to give him something <laughs> right. for sitting right. down with me. And I could just name me relationship after relationship after that. And it really is like there's people that were other agents when I was signed to another agency that I met in a whole mm-hmm. different city that have become not only now lifelong friends, what I imagine, but also where we've, we've gone on and done other business endeavors together. And yeah, yeah those relationships, any new artist who is listening to this, it really is like it is part of the work. Don't don't make it all the work. It's easy just to hang all the time and not write and not <laughs> practice. Right, right. You know the normal things, but but yeah, like that's one thing. So Stephen Pressfield, the War of Art. That's one thing I disagree with him on. He actually says he he kind of discourages the hang in a way. That, oh, that, I I believe yeah, I believe yeah. that you got to have the hang for sure. <laughs> and I I completely disagree with him. But he's also an author, so maybe that world is different. I don't know. Sure. Uh, maybe they sure. like different hanging out craft, too much yeah. and you got to sit you got to lock yourself in a cabin for 3 months or something. I don't know, but that yeah. is one piece that I just completely disagree with him on. Um it was refreshing to hear though because I lean so hard to that. It reminds me of like, no, bro you block out your mornings and your mornings are for practicing and for rehearsing and do, you know, you getting the work done Yeah, and when, you know, finding those times, but that's cool, man. That's cool that you have that perspective. And I know our, anytime we've met, uh, you've always had that personable piece to mm. you where it's like, you care about other people. It seems to overflow from you and it's cool. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about, um, yeah, it's all about, like connection and authenticity. And I mean, that's like the whole, that's like the whole point of the whole thing that we do is this craft is like connecting people and connecting our music to people and then being able to just connect with people as well in the hang and everything. And um, 
another thing, if there are any young creatives listening to this one, one thing is like, hang out with people outside of your medium too. You know, like if you're a musician, hang out with the filmmaker and the poet and the, and the sculptor and see what, and see what they can bring to the table for you and start collaborating with them. I didn't think of the word transmute my poet friend that I was like, Oh geez, I got to write this bio. And you're a writer. Can you help me? And then they come up with all these crazy, you know it's what I mean? It's a powerful word, man. It made me really it go is. like, how come all these people are using it? I get the gist, but when I looked it up to see the power in that, and like I said, a, a poet can bring that to you in a fresh way. Well, and that's, yeah. And that was, that can't, that was a collaborative, that was a collaborative effort. And she helped me create, you know, like kind of like an arsenal of words for my, for my bio, if you will, for different situations that I can just quickly, you know, grab, okay, here, I'll use this for this. And, um, I think it's more powerful than if I had just, you know, done that on my own. And so that's part of the work too. You know, the hang was intentionally finding other creatives and other mediums and then knowing how to collaborate. I worked with this other guy uh, four weeks ago. I did this music video in Dallas and it's with this filmmaker that I just met on a film set like years and years ago um, when we were both production assistants. So we're both like, you know, like pouring coffee for people and stuff, just talking, you know, in the back. And now fast forward, we're, he, we're like collaborating. He's directing yes. music videos for me and I'm like doing, and I'm like doing stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's a great yeah. lesson. Cause it's with uh touring, we did a lot of the college circuit stuff with my previous mm-hmm. man run with it. And through that, we got to know comedians, magicians. Uh, we got to know spoken word artists and yeah, like those, again, they're now they're spread all across the country, like actors and actresses, like, and and it's like all of us have stayed friends because we're running the same circles. And then whenever opportunity pops up, like there was an actress we knew uh, where I was like watching The Purge with my wife. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden she like pops up there and I, her name's Q. Yeah. And I was like, no shit, that's that's uh, Q. And she's like, no shit, that is her. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. And so she's doing these cool things, but she had a fundraiser in New York City. And I was like, hey, we're going out to the East Coast and hey, we'll play your fundraiser for free. And so she, our first gig in New York city, we had like 75 people because she's already connected there, which like, you know, when you're an up and coming band, 75 people in a club in a big city, you've never been to was kind of a big deal. It's awesome. For, for yeah. Some people listening, maybe it's not a big deal, but for us, we were like, shit, man, <laughs> there's people here. Yeah, no doubt. And it's like, we find ways to, to like, even the comedian, uh, there's a comedian named Paul, uh, and he is just a phenomenal comedian. Uh, we we're just talking, connecting, talking all sorts of things, life and politics and uh, then on a tour, I called him up. He lives in LA. I was like, Hey bro, I don't have a place to stay. It's like literally like 11 PM. And I, I, it's like one of those balls that dropped and next, you know, I'm sleeping on his couch and we're hanging out the next yeah. day, you know, and those, those friendships, if you think long, I think that's the thing is the long term. It sounds like you're building a long-term career. You're not just looking mm-hmm. at like, what can I get today? What can I get for myself? Yeah. yeah. And, and it is a long haul and it's, and it's, uh, something that you have to set up yourself for sustainability too. Um, And on that, and on that note, yeah, you know, you can definitely burn yourself out too. So you have to do this at a pace that, you know, you can keep up with for a hundred more years or whatever. Right. And that's (laughs) what I've always been bad at, but (laughs) I'm getting better. Well, yeah, I can't say that I've, I, yeah, I certainly, I certainly burn it at both ends all the time. And then you know, have to just go radio silent for days and then, and then like kind of come back online. But, um, what are some of the tools yeah. you, you use like the, you know, radio silence? Are there other things you do like tools in the toolbox to keep you not burning out, to keep the wheels from falling off if you will? 
nature is a huge tool for me. Um, I think getting out and like reconnecting with just nature and being able to just like remove myself from everything essentially. And just, that's almost like an escape. Um, I like going and listening to other people, other people's music too. That will definitely, um, you know, that will definitely make me feel good in many situations where the, and it also, it depends on like what kind of mood I'm in. Like if I'm like, I really just need to get out of this. Um, then I'll go out to nature. If I'm like, I just need to stop for me right now, but I still want to live in music. Then going and like appreciating somebody else's music is one of the most therapeutic things, you know, going and and not worrying about what you like, Oh man, I should be up there. Like, you know, it's whatever, <laughs> just like, you know what I mean? I just like, just like going. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would have done it this way. Nobody, <laughs> nobody gives a shit, dude. <laughs> just go and chill. Like nobody cares. <laughs> yep. Um, and that's, you know, uh, yeah, I suppose um, I don't have a whole lot of answers for you because it's no, usually not like that. Yeah, that's great, though. I think it points to honestly the it, it sounds so simple, but I'm really bad at it is is pause. Don't stop. So it's like I I've had to come to the conclusion that my personality loves going fast. So I, I think of it mm-hmm. as like I'm in a car or like when I'm on my bike, uh, my I have like do like uh, I was doing like uh, endurance racing during COVID. Sure. And so I'm on my yeah. bike. And you're going, you know, 30 miles down a hill. And I love that speed. I love doing life Mm -hmm. like that. But then there's a point where it becomes unmanageable. The wheels fall off and you will die. Like, it's just what will happen. And so, like, for me, I think that pause don't stop. It's like I usually just go until the wheels fall off and then I stop and I hate life and I hate music and I start a different business. has nothing to do with it. And then I kill all all the momentum. And so it's just mm-hmm. learning to like, Hey, let's just keep it at, you know, like what going with the metaphor, keep it at 30 miles an hour on the bike, mm-hmm. you know, so the wheels don't yeah. come off and, and live that way. But then know when to pause, when, do, when do you need to get off the bike? When do you need to, to, like you said, go out to nature? Like for me a lot, mm-hmm. it's just, when do I need to just say, you know what, I'm not going to do this gig because mm-hmm. I told mm-hmm. my kids I was going to watch Clifford the red dog. And that's yeah. fucking important too. And it, it'll bring yeah. me joy. It'll bring them joy. And I, I, yeah. So I hear, I hear that concept where it sounds like you are learning that as a practice, the pausing. Yeah, totally. And that's life too. Oftentimes in the pauses, that's when you're filling your cup or that's when you're putting stuff down that funnel that amalgamates into your life experience. Like, honestly, you going and playing another gig might not give us, might not contribute as much to your life as watching Clifford, the big red dog with your kids. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) what that's putting, what that's the input that that's putting into your life ultimately is going to create like a greater output than just going and playing some other gig, you know, um, holding, holding space for yourself and like your family and all that kind of stuff is like the most important thing with, with being, you know, a creative of any type of it, it seems because you really can, you really can fall. My dad calls it a rabbit hole. Hmm. It's like the Alice in Wonderland thing. He says, you can walk right up to it and you can look down it, but if you fall down it, then, then you're, you know, then you, then you fell, then you fell down the rabbit hole and that, that ultimately ends in, in a burnout, you know, but, um, if you can walk right up to that, yeah, if you can, if you walk right up to that rabbit hole and you like look down it, but then you hold the space for yourself to not jump in, then you're like, you're like, you're pushing that boundary and you're, and you're doing it in a sustainable way. Right. That's awesome, man. Well, it sounds like, uh, your your family like your dad influencing you on on the art side and then your your mom 
Uh, it sounds like, was she a big influence into going into teaching as well for you with her being a professor? Yeah, I think so. I think the path that I took with going to school was greatly influenced by her. Um, and, uh, I think my work ethic is greatly influenced by her. She's a hard, hard, hard worker, hard studier, like total scholar type, you know, she, um, is always reading and meditating and doing things that like, you know, are pushing, pushing. And I think that I get a lot of my work ethic from her. I can't keep up with her. I don't, I don't even (laughs) claim to try, but I think I get a lot of my work ethic from, from my mom as well. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, last two questions for you. Thanks again. Thanks for making the time. Um, Yeah. So off the podcast, live and create, how would you define right now living a great life? How would I define living a great life? Okay. Authenticity and self authenticity with others and choosing to walk your life with love rather than choosing, choosing the many other paths that you can choose. I think that that, I think that would be my, uh, my answer, authenticity in yourself, authenticity in others, authenticity with others, and then choosing to walk with love. Sounds like a great, that would be, that'd be my answer. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the last question Right now in your life, how would you define creating great things? Mm. Capturing me, getting a moment, getting a snapshot of, of what I can bring to the table. Authenticity of self, I guess, would again be my answer. Because if you can do that, if you can bring what you can bring to the table that nobody else can, then nobody can tell you that you did anything wrong. And that's like, I think what a great creation is, is something that's authentic. If I hear somebody and I'm like, wow, I can really hear them, then it's great. You know, that's awesome. That's, that's my opinion on it. But it sounds almost like living that great life will drive great creations, great art Mm -hmm. uh, and and great endeavors. So that's awesome. Well, let folks know how they can connect with you and check out all the things you're doing. Yeah, you can find me on uh, both Facebook and Instagram at Trevor Turla Music, and you can find my website at trevorturla.com. Thanks for making the time. It was awesome. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.